seeing how he leads us uh, even deeper in our relationship with him, uh, even this morning. Uh, we're in James again. You know, remember, we're in James. Uh, if you've been with us the last few weeks, we've been in James a little longer than that. We'll be in James a few more weeks after that. But we're in the book of James. Uh, if you have a uh, Bible, you go ahead and, and turn there. It's near the back of the, the, the scriptures. Um, and last week we talked about uh, being the first fruits uh, of the new creation and what that means, that we are the, the first fruits of this new creation. Uh, when, when God is, comes in full glory and comes to restore everything and make everything new, he says, you are a taste of that already. You are the fruit of that already. And as we walk through this life, we get to display kingdom living. We get to actually walk out in a very tangible way kingdom living for the Lord. And so that's what we went over last week. And we stopped there. We paused there on that one verse uh, for, for a whole week because it's important to, to know. We can get wrapped up in the scriptures and we start to look at the scriptures as, okay, what do I do? What do I don't do? You know, and, and it can kind of a, a guilt manipulation thing as we're reading through the scriptures, like, oh, man, I'm messing up, or oh, man, I got this one, check this one off the list, I don't have to worry about this one anymore. But James is saying, hey, before we even get into that, what holy living looks like, realize who you are. Realize who you are in Christ, because that sh- should be what's driving us forward in our walk with him, in our walk with other people, and how we live our lives. And so we're going to continue on, <coughs> excuse me, in James chapter 1 starting at verse 19 today. And what I'd like us to do is to read this scripture together. We're going to actually do uh, a couple of verses today. I was te- teasing with the team. They said, oh, what verse are we going to do this week? Because uh, they, they know me, and I go kind of slow through the scriptures. And I said, oh, we're going to do James chapter 1, 19a. And uh, anyway, no, we're going to go further than that, 19 through 25 this morning. And what I'd like us to do is as we read the scripture on the screen, it's going to be on the screens here, go ahead and stand up and let's read this together. My dear brothers and sisters, Beautiful. You may be seated. There is our scripture for this morning. I'm reading a fascinating book. I'm almost to the end of it. Um, started this. It's a really easy read, about 150 pages or so, I believe. It's a fascinating book on the, the, uh, a little bit of the, the history of the Chinese church. And it's called Back to Jerusalem. 
And I've been reading this for just a little bit. I mean, it's such an easy read. And what it is is a compilation of a few pastors in China and their stories and the movement that they see God doing in the, the nation of China. Now, we talk, we, you know, when we, we talk about the persecuted church, China is right there on the top of that list, right? It's a communist country. They're, they're trying to suppress religion. We hear about them closing down churches in the last few weeks. How many news stories or or Facebook posts or whatever have we have we heard about? Oh, they're they're cracking down, they're closing down churches, they're arresting people and things like that. And that's been uh, the history for about a little less than a hundred years. They've been trying to crack down and eradicate this thing called the Christian faith within their country. Fascinating book. Well, you know, I I didn't realize all the ins and outs, and I'm not going to give you a whole history lesson on the Chinese church. But what happened is that. Um, Long ago, long ago, uh, there were missionaries, Western missionaries, who were like, oh, we're, we're going into the world, right? We're called to go into the world. This is the Great Commission work. And Western missionaries went into China. Now, there was, there was faith. There were people of faith in China already before the Western church was going in there because uh, as the apostles and as the first Christians started to scatter, they actually went into the east and actually said that, I believe it was uh, Thomas, the apostle Thomas, who got all the way to India. All right, the apostle, we kind of picture them all in one little place in Jerusalem, and they're kind of clustered. No, and that guy Paul, he went out, you know, to, to Rome and, and that area. But uh, it said, tradition says that the, the apostle Thomas, doubting Thomas in the scriptures, he actually carried the gospel all the way to India and into the east. And so there was influence of, of the Christian faith moving the east, to the east. And uh, then the Western Church got going, right, and, and big movement, and, and we, we know about the, the missions push from the Western Church. They went into China. We've got people like Hudson Taylor going into China, doing a lot of great work, spreading the gospel, really having a hard time, though, really putting down roots in China and, and seeing a gospel explosion. It was, it was hard going for some reason there for the, these Western missionaries, but they spent their time, they spent their lives there. Well, what happened when the, the communist regime came into power, and I believe that was like in the 40s or 50s, you know, um, in the last century, well, they started, okay, they started kicking everybody out, right? Kicking everybody out. And the, the mindset of the Western church, the Western missionaries who had been going into China and the churches that were in the West, like in America and Europe, was, oh my gosh, it's been such you know, hard work trying to sow the gospel seeds into China that they are closing the curtain, right? They're closing the curtain. They're kicking us out. This church is going to flounder and this church is going to fail because we have not been able to like really push and see gospel growth through our work in the, in the, in the nation of China. Well, what happened? These missionaries were kicked out of the country. The, the, the curtain was closed uh, on Westerners. The, the communist government starts to crack down on the churches and tries to remove every evidence of faith. And what happens? What happens in China? It absolutely explodes. It explodes in a way that people never thought would happen. And so this, this book, Back to Jerusalem, is a little bit of this story. Fascinating book. And pick it up if you can. Back to Jerusalem. And it's called Back to Jerusalem uh, for a very specific reason. Now, as a church, we may think that, oh, yeah, when we hear the, the term back to Jerusalem, what's that mean? Oh, yeah, okay, Christ is coming back. You know, it's going to be the end of days, and everything sort of centers around you know, Jerusalem again and, and all that kind of stuff. Their thought is not at all about, hey, we're just looking forward to the end, 
end of days when Christ comes and everything goes the, the way it's supposed to go. There, the back to Jerusalem is actually a movement because they said, Jerusalem came to us. Jerusalem came to us and spread the gospel and the seeds of the gospel to us. And what we see in this world is that now there is a huge chasm. You have in between where, where they are in China, Muslim countries, Buddhist you know, influence, uh, Hinduism, all those kind of things. They said there is a huge gap. There are now groups of people between us and Jerusalem who do not know the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And instead of waiting for people to come to us, it is our job to take the message back towards Jerusalem. And so it's a movement. Uh, gaining steam has been going for a long time. It's gaining more and more steam. And uh, their goal is to, hey, we are going to evangelize and share the gospel heading back, heading back west. And that is our goal, to see uh, these people freed from bondage and brought into a, a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. But when the communist government came in and started cracking down and said, we're going to get rid of this stuff, what happened? It exploded. It exploded. All right, and the the uh, the Chinese church is a church on mission. I got a couple of quotes from the book here. A couple of quotes from the book here. Uh, this was interesting. This was early on in the book by one pastor, and uh, uh, he says this. He says, "We never pray against our government or call down, call down curses on it. We never pray against our government. Instead of focusing our prayers against the government and against a political system, we pray that regardless of what happens to us." we will be pleasing to God. Another one says, the main method of witness in China today is not academic, it's not more learning, it's not more information, more knowledge. The main method of witness in China today is the personal lifestyle and behavior of Christians. Another one says that he's amazed. Today, most Christians in China's house churches, and we know that the house churches are the big movement in China, right? They're the ones who are, are really spreading the gospel message. Today's most Christians in China's house churches are fully committed disciples of Jesus Christ. Every Christian is a soul winner. Every believer is involved in fulfilling the Great Commission. The work of the church is not done by a few qualified individuals, but by millions of passionate farmers, office workers, salesmen, and women all over the nation. Some of the greatest evangelists are teenagers who have been called by God to travel from village to village, sharing the good news not only about what Jesus has done in the past, but what he can do in the lives of all who surrender to him today. And we, we, we see this, this church in China where you hear stories. What happens with this, this coronavirus? People are scattering. The government's saying, hey, let's get out, you know, pulling people out of the area. And what is happening to the churches there? They are flooding in to the infected area. They are taking care of, they're handing out the masks, they're handing out whatever they can to the people in need. And instead of going away, from the problem. The Chinese church is saying, no, 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 we're going to be part of the solution. We're going to come and give hope to these people, and they are flooding into the area to bring hope into the gospel message of Jesus Christ. i got to believe that it's baffling to the government officials. Baffling. Why? We're, we're telling people to leave, and this is an epidemic, and people are just dying right and left, and it's going to get, we think it's going to get worse, and why, who are these people that are coming in and, and flooding in on their own we didn't force them to go. We didn't call them to go. It's not their job. Who are these people that are flooding in, and why in the world would they act this way? So we see this, this true discipleship even today, even in our news, even in our news. The Chinese church is on mission. I'm sure, I'm sure within the Chinese church that they have their own problems, their own issues, their uh, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff that uh, we, we deal with in, in church, but the Chinese church is on mission. 
mission. And James comes to the, the people, he's writing this letter to a, a group of believers who've been scattered away from Jerusalem. They're gathering in new places. They've, a lot of them have lost everything they had. And he comes to them and he says, my, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Get this. This is verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Get this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Now, why in the world would he need to say that? Okay, he just called him out and said, hey, you guys, you're, you're, you're the first fruits of this new creation, right? Woo, great, go, go, go get it, go get it. Hey, but hey, remember this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So obviously there was something going on in this church. I'm sure, I'm sure, because of the, the connections with the, with the people that James was receiving letters from people. James was receiving updates from, from people that he had known within Jerusalem and within his church, within his area of influence. I'm sure he's receiving stuff from them saying, this is hard, we've lost this, I'm not sure what we're going to do, and all that kind of stuff. And he's reminding them of even though they, they, they are in a different situation, a new situation, there's, there's a way that we respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He pulls them aside a little bit. He says, hey, guys, remember this. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. What happens is when we start to feel uncomfortable, when we start to be pressed a little bit, when something isn't going our way, what is our natural bent? Our natural bent is probably to go even closer within ourselves, right? Become a little bit more closed. Um, we, we may stop listening to advice. We may stop listening to, to people's advice out there because we're trying to figure out our place in the problem, uh, our, our solution, the, the quick fix, whatever it may be. And so when we get uncomfortable, when our, our first reaction is to go even closer and oh, tighter in, into our own little circle. And what can often happen is, yes, we, we stop listening to the, the counsel or the, the wise advice, the counsel that we may get from other people. We start listening only to the stuff in our own head, right? And uh, when we start to listen just to the stuff in our own head, the, only, the opinions that are just our opinions, oh, we start to even maybe get a little angry because things aren't going our way, and we start to talk ourselves into negative talk, right? And we may even start pointing fingers at other people, which causes more and more of a problem, and that may be our natural bent. This may be their, what they were struggling with because they had lost everything. It's like, oh my gosh, huddle in, huddle in. What am I going to do? What am I going to do with this? And James says, wait, watch how you listen, watch how you speak, and watch that anger. You don't want this building up because this is not the, the lifestyle that God has laid out for you. In fact, human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Right? It does not accomplish God's righteousness. This is the righteousness. He's talking about the righteousness that, that God wants to do through them as a body, through them as individuals, through them as they live out a gospel-centered life. And if we get to kind of into ourselves, into our own little shell and starting to point fingers, then the things that come out are not positive and encouraging and motivating, but what comes out, maybe a little gossip, maybe a little slander, maybe a little negative talk, maybe a little divisive talk because we've closed ourselves out and the only voice we hear is that of our own. And that's not God's idea for the body of Christ. And so James 
what he's, he's writing to a church that, that something is happening. He, he's receiving words that, okay, oh gosh, we're, we're pointing fingers. We're getting into arguments. We're acting out of anger. We're, we're, we're doing more, more, more just lashing out versus actually, okay, listen, what is God saying? What is God saying? What is the counsel around me saying? And when we do that, we kind of get off mission, right? We get off mission on what God wants to do in our lives. When we go in, we don't look out and we miss the mission that Jesus Christ has laid out right before us. And it results in our anger getting in the way of accomplishing what God has laid out, the righteous works, the, the good stuff, the, the desire he has for your life that gets in the way of that. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. And later on in the book of James, we're going to talk about the tongue and the mouth and what that means, and he goes into great detail about it, what, what it means. Um, but this does not accomplish the God's righteousness. Therefore, verse 21, Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted words which is able to save your souls. There's distraction out there. There's stuff from your past. There's stuff that wants to cling to you. There's stuff that we take on. All this stuff of the world that's distraction from what we're truly called to do. And he says, you need to cast that off. Get rid of that. Drop that. He calls it moral filth. He goes into great detail. So this is moral filth. This is evil. It's so prevalent. It's all around you. And if we're not careful, our bodies get filled up with this versus the righteousness of God. He says, if you're filled up with that, then you can't receive the word that has been implanted and able to save your souls. We've got to get rid of the distractions, the experiences, the stuff on the outside so that we can be filled up with the good stuff that God wants to provide for us. And one of those things is his word. Humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, what is the word? What is the word? Our first thought is, well, it's the, the scripture he's given us. In this context, I think James would be saying, now, they didn't have the compiled New Testament, but I think James would be saying, oh, yeah, you know, God's word, God has given you his word here on how to live a, a, a holy life. But in this context, immediately he's talking about the gospel message of Jesus Christ, right? That's the word that's been implanted on our hearts, right? When you come into a saving faith of Jesus Christ, you may not know any scripture, you may not know anything else, but you know that you're a sinner, you need a savior, and immediately, when you accept Jesus as your savior, what does he say that we receive? The Holy Spirit. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is there to, to help guide us along in this life. And so it is the gospel message, and literally the gospel message, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, that is the thing that has saved our souls, right? That is the thing that has, we, we, we put our hope in for the salvation of our souls. Humbly receive, but we have to be humble about it. We have, to, we have to humbly accept and receive the implanted word, which is able to save our souls. God gives us many different ways that, uh, in which to, to experience his word. First and foremost, it's the gospel message of Jesus Christ, what Jesus has done for our lives. It's the scripture which speaks to us about who we are, who God is, and reveals God's overarching plan for this whole world and starts to help us figure out our place in this. The implanted word also speaks to, you know, God has given us the ability to hear 
his revelation, to understand and comprehend what he wants to share with us. Jeremiah was prayed. This was prayed. Jeremiah 31, I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. This is when the, the, the Spirit of the Lord speaks to our spirits and we respond. We're able to respond and walk in the way that the Lord has set before us. But you know what? We've got we to get rid of the other stuff, the other distraction around our lives so that we can truly hear the word of the Lord and what he has for us today. We've got to get rid of the noise. We've got to get rid of the noise. I think of it this way. If I had a, a glass... I don't have a glass. Well, I have a cup. And right now it's filled with coffee, something I really, really like. It's filled with coffee. I enjoy coffee. Good, pure, it's just black coffee. It's just, it's just awesome. None of that other stuff in there. I got clapping in there. We need some more amens here. It's got, okay, so this, this is just filled with coffee. Now, if, uh, if I, I have cats at home, if I had gone in to my house and filled this cup with kitty litter, do you think there'd be room for the good stuff, the coffee within here? No, no, no. I would, have, I would have traded a cup full of kitty litter by going there and filling it up with all this junk, all this stuff. I would have traded out space for the good stuff. And, and our lives are kind of like that, where if we, we fill them with junk, and then we say, Lord, why aren't you working in my life? Or why can't I hear you? Or, or whatever it may be. Well, we, we've fill ourselves with junk? Is there any room, is there any capacity for us to actually hear through the noise, the distraction, the filth, the junk, to to actually hear and experience what he wants us to experience? And and James is saying, hey, so much stuff out there. He gives it a pretty harsh name. It's filth, it's evil, and it's prevalent. There's so much stuff out there that wants to, to, to distract you, to cause you not to be focusing on what the Lord has for you, who you are in the Lord, we got to get rid of that. we got to have a clean cup so that it can truly be filled. There is room for it to be filled by the Lord. Oftentimes, we, we, we use Jesus as a safety net, but not the source of the good stuff. We use him as a safety net where, okay, yes, I said that prayer. I'm so thankful I said that prayer way back when I was five years old. We use him as a safety net. Now I am secure in my future, which is all true stuff. But then we forget that, oh, man, you know what? He is the source of life. He is the source of all good things in my life. He has given me the ability to live a holy life. But we treat him more as a safety net. Okay, good. One and done versus a, oh, this is an ongoing thing that, that, that God wants me to continue to be transformed more and more into this holy, perfect creature displaying kingdom living to all those who are around me. Rid yourselves of moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receiving the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But, but, he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. And this is the, the crux of it for today. And we're going to read some more, but this is, this is the center of the, the message today. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. There was a time for the Jerusalem church, for these folks who, are, who, who James is writing, there was a time, man, that they were on mission they had momentum. Things were going great, right? You, at Pentecost, thousands of people 
coming to the Lord, saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. An amazing work. Imagine if, if a minister was standing on the street corner in Littleton, all right, and all of a sudden the whole town of Littleton came to Jesus. That is an amazing work, right? That's an amazing thing. All of a sudden, we're filled, Elevate's filled, the Baptist church is filled, Crossroads is filled down there, the Methodist, all these churches all of a sudden are filled beyond capacity because the whole town of Littleton came to Jesus Christ. Jerusalem had the same kind of experience. Jerusalem was much bigger than Littleton, all right? But Jerusalem had thousands of people come to Christ on Pentecost, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you find a group of people they're meeting with the apostles. They're learning from the apostles. They're getting together. They're developing church leaders. All these kind of things. They're developing church. And uh, what do we do now? You know, my gosh, I can imagine the apostles. What do we do now? <laughs> what do we do? Well, what did Jesus do when he talked to the people on the hill? Okay, well, okay, these are the things he did. We're, what do we do now? And all of a sudden, they, they have people, and they're sharing together. They're, they're gathered. They're, they're sharing stories. They're sharing testimonies. They're, have, they're getting together in the, the synagogues and the temple and their homes, and they're sharing meals. They're taking communion. They're doing all this stuff together, and they were moving. And the testimony of this church was it didn't just stop on Pentecost. Boom. More and more and more and more movement and kingdom growth was happening in Jerusalem. And then they kind of forgot and they got a little comfortable. They got a little comfortable and they, they kind of forgot a little bit of their mission that, hey, we're supposed to keep going. God says this is a movement that goes, that goes. And along the way, this church became hearers instead of doers of the word. And then God had to scatter them. All right? God had to scatter them. I'm sure that it did not feel like this is God's will at the time. I'm sure they questioned why in the world would we have to leave our country, our city, our place, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then they get to a place and they're, they're, they're scattered. They're, they're small pockets versus these large gatherings. Man, remember those church services in Jerusalem? Oh, the praise and worship was awesome. You know, we had 100 people in the band because everybody was gathered together and it was huge and we had lights and all this kind of stuff and it was great. And all of a sudden now they're in small pockets and they're feeling stress and pressure and all those kind of things. And they lost focus of who they were and what God called them to do and started complaining. It was just like the Israelites in the wilderness, right? Israelites get pulled out of Egypt. They're slaves in Egypt. But they get into the wilderness, they experience some tough times. And what do they say? Man, we'd rather be slaves. We'd rather be slaves. It was so much better. And so there's a draw for us to, to, to be pulled into our comfort zone. And these guys are experiencing a trial. And they'll say, oh, my gosh, what's going on? What's going on? We don't understand this. Jesus told them, Jesus told them, hey, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Right? Jesus said this. James is just writing, quoting his big brother. Jesus said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Keep it. Jesus didn't say, blessed are those who hear the word of God. Now go in peace. No, no. He said, you're blessed when you hear the word of God and you keep it. And James reminds them, hey, in all of this, remember, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because when you are just a hearer of the word, you're actually deceiving yourself. You're fooling yourself. You're not living the life, the, the full life that God intends for you. Okay, I've got a whole bookshelf. I counted them this week. There's like 15 books on my bookshelf on marriage. 
All right, you want to come and talk about marriage? I can recommend a book. I probably never, ever have to buy another book on marriage in my entire life, right? I could spend all my time going through these and rereading these books on marriage, right? And you come into my office, I could quote you, and I could give you advice and say, hey, well, this is, this is what it says to do you know, in your marriage, or if you're struggling in this area, you want your marriage to grow, whatever. I've got a lot of information on marriage sitting in my shelf. And if I spent my time reading about marriage but I actually don't go home and actually do anything to help grow my marriage or keep it healthy or whatever, I'm really not taking advantage. I'm really not living a life that values a healthy marriage, right? I mean, I could go and, and actually what, what you can do is I could go and I could start reading this book and, well, why is Sarah not doing that? Well, God, do you blame me for not being happy right now? And if only she would do this, or if only my kids would do this, then this would be awesome. And you, we can find ourselves getting into and saying, oh, you know, I, I, I take a lot in, I take a lot in, but I'm not giving a lot out. So I can have this whole library of of marriage resources, but if I'm not actually doing and living and valuing and putting in what I can put in to change the situation or to improve the situation or to keep growing the situation, I am only a hearer of the advice, but not a doer. Excuse me, James says the same thing with the word of the Lord. The Lord is going to speak to you. I will tell if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, how many believers in Jesus Christ do we have here? There may be some folks who are, who are not believers in Jesus Christ. I'm glad you are here because you get to hear some of the words of the Lord. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he is going to speak to you. All right? Let's just get that out there. Now, it may through, be through Scripture, reading your, your Bible. It may be a little tug on your heart where his spirit, the Holy Spirit, is in line with your spirit and he is tugging on something, all right? There may be something there. Uh, God is going to speak with you. You may, you may spend time praying or, or meditating um, on the word of the Lord or just in his presence in the car. Maybe you're, you're praying or you're lifting up prayer to him and, and uh, he is going to speak to you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, God is going to speak to you. He doesn't just speak to someone like me or Steve, who's an elder, or some of the other leaders in the church, and he says, hey, you guys, will speak to you. I'm going to speak to you, and then you're going to speak it out. Hey, we do that. It's called preaching and teaching, things like that. But if you are a believer in Christ, you have the same access to God, the Creator, as anybody else in this room, and he is going to speak to you. And Jesus says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. God has something for you to do today. God has something for you to do tomorrow. Are we mindful? Are we filling our lives with the distractions, the junk, the other stuff that sort of kind of always gets in the way of actually hearing from the Lord? And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, God is going to speak to you. All right? We have to be listening and and have our ears open. That's why he says, hey, be quick to listen. God is going to speak. And maybe it's through another believer in Jesus Christ. He said, they've been prompting you to to speak into another person's life. Great. You know, that may be a word from the Lord from you. Be quick to listen. 
slow to interject, slow to speak in yourself, and very slow to anger. That's not how we live the righteous life that God has intended for us. When we focus on just hearing the word, I hesitate to say this because I love Bible study. I read the Bible every day. I love to read it. You guys should do it too. If you're not reading the Bible every day, you should do it. Get an app on your phone, put scripture in your, your car, whatever. You know, we need to be fed every single day. It's like missing a meal, you know? Who, who here misses a meal during the day? You know, maybe on occasion we do or whatever, but meals are important to us. We, we typically eat unless we're taking a fasting break or something. Same thing with the scriptures. We need to be in the scriptures. But when we focus on just hearing the word, I, I can spend all my time just, oh, well, that was, that was a great passage. Man, that was, that was so, so great. That just so blessed me. And if we, we fall into the trap of just hearing the word, we become with, more concerned with, with us and what's right and what's wrong and I'm okay and they're not and all these kind of things. And we lose our focus on Jesus is right. Jesus is right. And people out there need to hear the good, true message of Jesus Christ. And the devil loves to have us squabble over the small stuff, over the insignificant, keep our time and energy all in that, missing the big grand picture that we get to live in this kingdom of God here and now, spreading the gospel message of Jesus Christ to all those who will hear, helping the kingdom expand in our communities and in our circles of influence. Once we have heard the word, we need to act on it because consumption without movement leads to stagnation. Consumption without movement leads to stagnation. I think this is what James is telling this church. Oh, you're, you're, you're stagnating. You're stagnating. You're, you've, you've, you say you've, you've heard the word of the Lord. Nothing's moving. Nothing's moving. In fact, you're doing the opposite thing. You're nitpicking and all that stuff. Consumption without movement leads to stagnation. Jesus said to, to a group, he said, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Flow from within means flow coming out. Not just staying in. Oh, anybody who comes to me and hears my word, oh, Cap off those, those streams and those rivers. Keep it all to yourself. No, no, Jesus says, flow from within them. Flow out. Flow out from within them. And we can fall in the trap of, of, of like this, this group of people and say, oh, you know, you, you've taken it in. But what's coming out? There are many churches that have fallen into obscurity, full of the whole counsel of God but without the fire to walk in submission of that word and what God wants to do in their communities. And, God, and, and James here says, hey, let me tell you what the, the word is. The word is like a mirror. Okay, this word is like a mirror. It's verse 23, because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom, hence a perfect mirror, and perseveres in it, he is not forgetful, and not forgetful here, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Mirrors provide, provide reflections, right? 
if I had a mirror, I wish I had a mirror this morning. If I had a mirror, looked in the mirror, it'd provide a reflection of, of who I am, right? And he says, hey, if you just take it in, all you're really doing is you take in the word, but you're not going to actually go and, and do anything with it. You're, you're just someone who takes a quick little glance, you know, quick little glance, and then tosses it away. And you've forgotten who you are, who God has called you to be, all right? God has called you out of this world. You forget that. God says, hey, I'm going to put these, these works right in front of you. Just walk in them. And we forget that. We take a quick glance and we forget it and we put it away. He says, no, no. A mirror shows a reflection, we, but do, are we actually seeing what is in the mirror as we look into it? Are we actually seeing what, what the Word is telling us to do? Are we actually experiencing and in tune with what the Spirit wants to do in our lives and through us? The, the Word is a mirror for us. It shows us who we are, what we struggle with. It reminds us that, that God is for us. And what we're doing is if we just take a quick look in the mirror and, and turn away and we, we walk away, we forget that. We, we forget that. We've really just tossed away who God has called us to be. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom, and, and James, I love James because James is a good Jewish guy, and he pulls in a lot of good Jewish stuff because he knows his original audience, and they are, they are folks from Jerusalem primarily, and he says, hey, you know, we talk about the law, the perfect law, Moses' law used to be called the perfect law, and then Christ, what did he do? He came in to for, uh, fulfill this, and the perfect law of freedom is what we have. If you persevere in that, you are not a forgetful here, but a doer who is doing the work. Who is doing the work. Psalm 119 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. What is the word that the Lord is putting on your heart today? What is, it, what is the Lord putting on your heart today? Jesus came fulfilled the old law because we could not do it, ushered in a new covenant, a new law of freedom that we get to walk under. And his two big things were, hey, love God and love others. Love God and love others. Now, hey, when you're, when you're slandering, when you're not listening, when, when you're, you're pretty quick to, to spout off, when you're angry, that doesn't look like love, right? That doesn't look like the love of God. When you're divisive, when you're gossiping, all that kind of stuff, that doesn't look like the love of God. Look in the mirror. Look in the reflection. Take in the word that the, that the Lord has given you. Take in the gospel message. You Just the gospel. Forget the rest of Scripture right now. Just the gospel message of Jesus Christ. What did he come to do? To fulfill the law, to, because we could not do it, to, to take our sin on his behalf, because we could not bear the weight of our sin. We could not do anything good. He came and gave us salvation. So then we could go out living a life of salvation, of freedom, because we are not under the weight of sin and death any longer. And James is saying the good news of salvation brings with it an unavoidable demand for complete obedience. Jimmy Carter, whether you liked him as a president or not, he says this. He says, I have one life and one chance. And this is the guy who does the Habitat for Humanity stuff. Still, he's like, what, 90-some years old or whatever, still out there hammering it, swinging a hammer, hammering nails, building houses. I have one life and one chance to make it count for something. My faith demands that I do whatever I can Wherever I am, 
whenever I can, for as long as I can, with whatever I have to try and make a difference. That's a lot of whatevers and cans. He says, my faith demands that I go out there and do stuff for God. I am sure that the Chinese church, people in the Chinese church, feel the pull to, you know what, I would love to just be in my house reading the scriptures today, taking in the blessings of the Lord through the scripture today, even if it's a page. You know, they don't have, a lot of them, they don't have this. They have, they, have, they have a page, two pages, scraps, whatever they can get. I'm sure that a lot of them would feel the tug to, you know what, I would just like to sit in my house today, read the word of the Lord, tuck it back under the floorboards, and go and live my life. And I've received a blessing, but there's no pressure, no push, no pull to do anything for the Lord. I'm sure that's a tug. I'm sure that's a tug. But the Chinese church is on mission, right? It's exploding. It's expanding. The kingdom of God in China is growing at exponential rates, and it can't be stopped, even by those who are trying to put their thumb down on it and oppress and eradicate it. Man, what if God called us to a place like that? Man, what if God called us to a, a place like that? And we, whew, no, good news, we're here, right? We're here. But the good news is we are here. The good news is that we all are here in the North Country. And the North Country is kind of a dark place spiritually, okay? No one's pulling us out of our homes. No one's saying we can't worship. There are no police standing at the door to come and pull us away. We don't have any of those pressures, all right? But spiritually, this is a, a little bit of a, a big, dark place. But we see creep of light. The Lord is working here. And the good news is we are here. We are here. But we're to be hearers of the word and not just, or excuse me, we're to be doers of the word, excuse me, and not just hearers of the word. This last week, I mentioned some stuff from the pastor's group last, last Sunday. Hey, this, this last week, the pastor's group met, and we had the emergency, emergency services, the fire chief, police chief, a couple of them from this area come and, and speak to us, and just speaking about the, the epidemics that are all around us, all right? We talk about the Chinese church diving into the coronavirus, going into the epicenter of that, passing out whatever they can, giving whatever hope they can give because of the, the, Jesus Christ. We live in the middle of an epidemic as well. Poverty, drugs, uh, addiction, uh, the, the, the destruction of, of family because of a lot of that stuff. What is God calling us to do today? When we do the work of the Lord, James says, hey, you do the work of the Lord, this person will be blessed in what he does. He will see fruit from the work. And I think often that blessing means that, hey, we've, we're, we're, we're content in who we are. We're not trying to do bigger, better on our own. We're content, you know, and we're ready to hear what the, the, the Lord has for us. Blessing doesn't mean more and more and more and more stuff. I think it means less and less worry in this life because our focus is on the Lord and where he is leading. And when we are more content, we have more margin in our life, more room in our life to actually hear and to do the things that the Lord has set right before us. Uh, I saw this on Twitter yesterday. Gary Thompson, he's a pastor. He says, you believe in Jesus. 
right? You believe in Jesus. So what did you do today that he asked you to do? What did you do today? And this is a good question for us as we are just starting out in the day. What are we willing to do today that he has asked us to do? What did you not do today that God asked you not to do? There's also, you know, hey, there's some things about, hey, I could dive into all these activities and all these things that because I want to do them. But what, sometimes God's saying, hey, don't do that, don't do that, don't, don't, don't do that. And are we, are we mindful to do what the Lord wants us to do and not do what the Lord doesn't want us to do? The body of Christ is a movement. It's not a monument. The body of Christ is a movement. It is not a monument. And consumption without movement leads to stagnation. Uh, we're reading a book as an office. I'm going to close it down here. We're reading a book as an office called Liquid Church. We like to read books about churches that are really going out there in their communities and, and doing good work and, and growing. And so as an office team, we're reading a book called Liquid Church. And uh, they, they cite a study in there. It says 67% of Americans say a personal invite from a family member would be very or somewhat effective in getting them to visit a church. 67% say, hey, if a family member invited me to church, I would probably go. Okay? I don't think we think that's true. Six out of ten people. You have ten friends. You go invite ten of them. Stats say about six of them say, oh, yeah, I would actually come with you to church. 63% said that an invite from a friend, it's not as close, an invite from a friend, but still about six people out of 10, 63% said an invite from a friend would get them to visit a church. I'm sure that all of us could list 10 people that we know are not in a fellowship, that that are not, don't have a place to, to, where they've either can, can worship the Lord or they've been burned uh, or they're they're someone of, uh, who's, who's doubting or whatever. Six out of ten of those people would probably say, hey, yeah, I would come with you. And why don't, we, why don't we go out there and do that? Say, hey, this week, you, friend, family, tell you what, I want to invite you in to this experience. You know, this is the, we enjoy it, we love it, we get together, and we, we, we encourage one another, we, we learn, we, we dig into God's Word, we do all these kind of things. If you have questions, this is a great place for you to come and ask your questions. Hey, why don't you come and sit by me? Why don't you come and sit by me? A lot of us feel like we don't know what we're doing. You know, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to ask people. I don't know how to evangelize. I'm not an evangelist. All right? Ask the prison guys who go out each and every week. Do they know what they're doing? Did they know what they, do, what they were doing when they started out? Probably not. They didn't know what to expect. Ask the guys that work, and men and women who work in recovery, did they know what they were doing when they dived in because God said, hey, you need to dive into this work. If your relationship with God or your meditation on Scripture doesn't cause you to move in some way, then maybe our, our prayer needs to be, hey, what kind of relationship am I actually in? If you're moving because of the gospel message and it's gotten hold of your heart, maybe it's, hey, I need to invite other people into this with me because God's moving, I'm seeing movement, I need to invite other people into this movement with me. James says, don't be like the guy who looks in the mirror and forgets who he really is or pays attention and no attention to who he is. Be like the guy that stares intently in the mirror and goes off knowing what needs to be done and then does it. Don't forget the mission of Jesus Christ and the one that he has entrusted with you. Consumption without movement leads to stagnation. Oh, I don't want to be that kind of place. I don't want to be that kind of believer. I don't want to be that kind of church. As a body of Christ, we get to do a few things together. We, we pray together. We worship the Lord together. Uh, we also take communion together. 
And uh, this is something special that we do together. If you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, uh, don't worry about this part. Just, just observe. Just sit, sit in silence and, and um, you know, maybe cry out to the Lord and ask what he would have for your life. We're going to invite the guys to come forward in just a second and, and pass out the communion plates. And Jesus said in Matthew, as they were eating, Jesus took bread. He blessed it and broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. Take this bread. This is my body. This is before he was crucified on the cross. And he said, this is my body. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This, this blood, my blood, is going to be poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus said, this is my, my body broken for you, for your sins. This is the blood that I'm going to shed for your sins to cover those sins. Take this in remembrance of me. And we're going to do that today. As the guys come forward, there's going to be a a song playing, and go ahead as you get the elements, pray, meditate, go to God in that, and then go ahead and feel free to take those elements as you are led, and then we'll go into another time of some worship together.